When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Bleach Boys. Core 2, Episode 2 is officially out. It's popping. I saw a lot of people hate on the animation already. I don't know if you guys are on, on par with that. Uh, but, no, no. I'm, um, I'm okay with it on my part. A so. lot of people have been shitting on this episode. I thought it was a good episode. I thought it had some interesting changes that were made, which I know Pythes and I are going to have some disagreements on later. But I think there's a lot to talk about in this episode, so we'll just hop right into it. We kick it off with the classic Espada ripoff scene. Bullshit. Yup, they're just sitting at the same table. Yep, get Silburn, your own damn table. And dude. they say it's in the Silburn and Wartlick Hall. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but there has been a basically an MO, a SOP, as we call it in the business world, a uh, procedure mm-hmm. put in place where the Sternrunners are to kill the captains of the Bankais they stole from them in order to crush their hope. And Yuha Baha knows that the captains are going to basically try to find other ways to fight without Bankai in this time that they're not invading, and. I wanted to put a special note here. The scene where they're pulling away from the table and the title of the episode is on the table. I thought that was clean as fuck. I do I love like, that. Holy I, I think shit. that's always super cool when they that's include it in there. Clean yeah, like really animation well there. Done. I was like, holy, that is that's really, really good. Um, they say that they want to defeat them with their own Bankai because they want to etch the true defeat into the heart and being of a Soul Reaper. And then we get a Bambietta little voice line there. I don't know what the fuck she was saying. Not important. But Interesting to note, when Bambietta is shown, she is upside down. So, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, potentially alluding to the fact that she roasts the fuck out of Shinji later. Yep. So, I that thought that... foreshadowing is going to be... <laughs> that, it was right there. I thought that was a little interesting. I was like, okay, you know, whether or not that was intentional or not, it's like, I have to assume it is, because she was the it, only it one that was upside down. I feel down. like all of this is already pretty well masterminded. Yeah, but it is also very artistic. So, and then I have in all caps here, um, Ukatake's lieutenants and Ukatake is shown, finally, which I thought was very incredible. I don't remember what the name of either of those lieutenants are. Pop quiz for both of you. Do you know uh, any names from those guys? Um, it's Isane's little sister. Okay. Uh, Kione? Yeah, it's Kione, and I don't fucking know what the other guy's I don't know name the is. Dude, <laughs> I don't know the dude's name. I just know Kione, Kione and dude with the beard. That's the like Tintaro. Yeah, and he's got the tie. Oh, it was Sintaro. Sintaro. Okay. Very impressive that you guys know that. So we go back to the invasion of the Soul Society that began in episode one. And this furthers the cool points for Shunsui, by the way. There was a lot of scenes in this episode. I put out a little tweet talking about my initial reactions to this episode. One of the ones I had to say, the Shunsui and Ugrim scenes, which we're going to get to coming up, were 10 out of 10 all the way through the episode. Would you say I, go he's ahead. growing on you, that yeah. he is no yeah, well, longer trash? He, 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 listen, I won't say he's no longer trash, okay? But he's I, I, he's growing on me. Pythes, I'm with you. Because yep. I, I just think it shows, once again, 
that he is thinking, he is doing his thing. And what I'm talking about in particular is Shun Sui is basically given a dialogue saying that they had set a whole bunch of traps within Soul Society. I thought that was pretty he badass. he expected them to invade again. Obviously, they were told they're going to be invading. But without warning, and he, he was going to use that to kind of fuck with them. Like, oh, you guys are going to come into our house again? It's like, we got you. But he was not expecting the whole terrain to change. Yeah. And yeah he yeah. said they lost their territor- territorial advantage, which I was like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This is war games we're playing now. Like, this is it. This is what we're talking about. Lives are on the line. Let's start being scummy. Let's start fucking them up, you know? So, so you're okay with uh, that happening, but Kiraku being scummy towards Stark? Okay. 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 Listen, I have to go for for the detail because I said that and I had got shit on nonstop from that clip going up on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. People were. That's right, people. Ape shit. Let's go. That I said, like, Shun Sui is supposed to be a man of honor and how dare he do that. They didn't know the full context because it's a one minute clip. Okay. My beef with Shun Sui. Goes back to the OG Stark fight, obviously the only Stark fight that they're having. And it's not even, oh my god, he stabs Stark in the back. I don't give a shit about that, because that's one of his abilities. He comes out of the shadow, he stabs in the back. My beef, and this has been the core beef that Pythes and I have talked about many, many, many times. He defeats Stark by playing one of the games of his Zanpakuto. And it's where you call the color of where you're going to stab. And I think... It goes, the more dangerous the color is to you, the more damage it will also do to the other person if you hit that color. Is that correct, Pythes? Yes. Okay, so they're playing this game. Stark figures it out very quickly and goes white and hits him on the captain's cloak, which is white. And Stark is covered in white because he's in Los Lobos form. And Shun Sui's like, wow, okay, very good. And then Shun Sui's turn to go. He throws off his cloak. He calls black, Okay. And yeah. this is where the bullshit happens. We're talking okay? about the hollow hole. Yes. Yeah. This is where the hollow hole comes into play. Because it had been previously shown the hollow hole is not a solid object because Kenpachi put his fucking sword through Noitora's hollow hole. So it's bullshit to assume he could hit the hollow hole and call black. The sides of the hollow hole are black. You would argue that potentially they're gray because it's shadow, that it's from the inside of their being, okay? You can't call black and then slash the outside. He didn't go into the hole. He slashed across the chest. It was a slash, not a stab. Bullshit. Sam, you have seen them colored in the anime and in colored shit by Kubo. They are black. And it is black in his chest. What if, Pythes, it's black by a stylistic choice because he doesn't want to draw what the background is on the other side of the hole? Then it counts too. <laughs> no, because it's black to us as a viewer because the artist maybe is lazy. Sorry, Kubo. But I'm just saying he doesn't want to set a precedent where now he has to draw every background in between the hollow holes that he's ever going to fucking do because all this is going to be in the series to the end of goddamn time. So why would he do that to himself? It's torture. So therefore, he just colored it black. And we know because we're smart viewers like me that we know the hollow hole see through because he shows Kenpachi stab Noitora through the fucking eye and it goes all the way through him. Are shadows not black? No, they were. I would argue they're gray. <laughs> so, I mean, where does the line get drawn on his stupid ability? Do we go into shades? What if he calls cobalt blue? Does that automatically get fucking, if it's cobalt blue, do double damage? Like, no, obviously teal would do double damage. Come on. <laughs> okay. There you go. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it's a bullshit game for bullshit people, and he cheated. Had he called. I don't know, blue or something, and hit him where the gun Stark's was. I don't eyes are know. Blue. Yeah, if he gouged his fucking eyes out, then I'm like, all right, respect. Respect. And said he cheated. 
And then the I rewatched the scene. I rewatched. <laughs> I rewatched the scene because I was getting roasted. And I was like, let me see if there's something I'm not seeing in this scene. Okay, let me rewatch because that seems like a valid point to me. And it's it is because he slashes him across the chest right in the hollow hole. And I only watched the anime scene. I didn't go back and dig up the manga. Okay, so heaven forbid. Um, slash him across the chest, and he begins to just deteriorate. What happened there? What happened there? Stark gets hit one time across the chest because he calls black, and then he starts cracking. Goes, and then we just see Stark fall. He does a fucking howlable death. Just falls to the ground. I'm like, the fuck? When Shunsui and Kiraka, or not Shunsui and Ukatake, fell to the ground, Stark was like, oh, I got to go finish him off. I guess for Stark, he's just dead. He just hits the ground and he just dies. You know, Max when damage. Hollows die, they disintegrate. Yeah, well, it's like he, he just started cracking. And it's like, it's not like he fully combusted. He just falls to the ground. I'm like, that's stupid as hell. Okay, anyways, this Thousand Year Blood War podcast, that's stupid. Just, but Just letting people know we will never settle this. We've been arguing for like three years. <laughs> this is true. It doesn't make sense. That is so dumb. And in the Camp Fear War novel, everybody's like, oh, my God, why would Shunsi want to be friends with Stark? Oh, my God. He says in the Camp Fear War novel that he feels bad about killing Stark, and he knows that they probably would have been friends in another world. Fuck Damn. you guys. Fuck you guys, dude. But it was and war. Then, Okay, it was war. Really? Okay, I am going to have a whole podcast <laughs> that get the subject. It was war in the first one where they were being invaded on their home turf. He didn't just fucking glack Chad like that. He gave Chad the chance, like, okay, you know, let's, like, take it back. You know, you, you surrender. We'll be cool. It's like, it'll all, it'll all be good. Let's just pretend. Chad, Chad was the offensive one at that point. Chad was the Shunsui in that position. Chad attacked. He got roasted, okay? Shunsui, from that point forward... What character development did he have? Zero. What battles did he go through? Zero. So why did he all of a sudden do a complete 180? Bitch. That's not bitch to you, Pythes, by the way. It's bitch to Shunsui. <laughs> <laughs> I'd argue in that moment that Shunsui was the guy with the home field advantage who was fighting a child. Chad's like 15. And he okay. was like, I don't want to murder this child. Like Let's see if man. I can take now, it. Now, to be fair, do we know how old Stark was? Because he also could have been a child. <laughs> I think you're fully formed when you're in a Roncar. He could, you know, when he makes the switch over from, let's say, a Roncar to Espada or, you know, whatever, where does their birthday start? You know, is it the creation when he's now a fully knowledgeable person? Probably. Okay. So he could be two years old and June Sweet just murdered him. I mean, it's an anime thing, so he's two years old, but he's actually like 8,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That just, that yo, just yo, runs yo, yo, through. Yo, yo. Back to Thousand Year Blood War, Pythes, fuck you. Um, that one is to you this time, Pythes. Uh, we find out that the Quincy's basically used Reishi back when they were being prosecuted and trying to be killed. They snuck into the Soul Society because that was a place they would have less, you know, the last place you would check for the Quincy's. And they used Reishi to create a place within the literal shadows of the Soul Society, which was titled the Invisible Empire, which we know as the Wandenreich. Um Askin appears in the research and develop department, which this leads to what we were talking about last time with the surprise Shinji Bankai and Pythes. You said, oh, I think it was just like a cool thing because in the last episode, they showed them walking through the newly formed society together. But in this episode, they clearly say like a lot of them are like, oh, my God, how did you get here? And he's like, no, I was already here. It just we just merged now. Yeah. So I, like which I thought was a really cool yeah. thing to do yeah. is terraform the shit out of all. Yeah. Of that. And like where they were when they terraformed is where they were when they were merged with the whole new thing. And so they're like, oh, my God, how'd you break in? It's like, no, no, I didn't. Like he's I like, was standing were, yeah. here and we merged. And I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. So Askin is in the research and develop department, which I love everything that has to do with Askin this whole fucking episode as well. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and we obviously, I already mentioned that Ugrim is appearing to Shunsui in and now. And they say 
basically Gugerman's explaining to Shunsui, and he's like, hey, so we didn't invade through the membrane this time, which I had no idea they did that the first fucking time. Um, they were just already here. And this is where we get the title of Ugram, which I made special note of because I thought it was cool. Thank he you. is the Emperor Aide, excuse my voice crack there, and Stern Raider Grandmaster Ugram. So one of the things that we talked about last time, and I, I bounced this question back to you guys, who is higher in the hierarchy of the Stern Raiders? Would it be the, I'm going to call them the Elite Guard because I forgot their I name. I think that's, uh, the, it is Elite Guard. The Elite Guard of like Yuha Baha himself, or would it be Ugram? Since Ugram is the guy that kind of takes over the almighty power later, and he seemed to be the second in command until Uryu showed up, it's, it's got to be Ugram. So the power of command at this point in time, would you say Yuha Baha, Uryu, Ugram, Grand Royal Guard, whatever the fuck it is, and then the rest of them? Yeah, although I don't know if anybody's going to listen to Uryu, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, I wouldn't. I think at this point in time, all the Stern Raiders, they're not going to say yeah. shit to, to Uryu. Like, they, they're not, they still like, don't like him. Yeah, Uryu would yeah. be like, guys, go do this. And he'd be like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Thank you. I have, I have notes on the pa- on the hierarchy. We'll get to that later. Okay, awesome. Ooh. So we get the also title of Shunsui, which I thought was interesting. And I have another question to bounce towards you guys. The head captain and captain of squad one Shunsui. So I thought it was interesting that he refers to himself as the head captain and captain of squad one. And that makes me want to know, can you be head captain and not captain of squad one? I don't think so. Yeah, because it just felt redundant to me that he's like, oh, yeah, I'm the head captain and captain squad one, where if that is the case where you're always head captain slash, you know, captain squad one, why introduce yourself that you they would make they would know. It sounds more impressive. I guess. Yeah, he's he was like, the, oh, the, the bigger the title, the yeah. better. Well, you know? came in yeah. and he had two titles. Yeah. So Shunsu was like, oh, well, I, me too. I, I, yeah, I got, I got I two, also got two lieutenants. Two, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not, it's not important. And I mean, it's get, like when uh, we'll get to soy phone later, but, you know, she's the head of. She's the head of the stealth force and the cap on the squad, too. But I guess so. Okay, I was going to say the stealth force, I feel like, is its own entity. But I guess you could argue that being head captain is its own thing. But do you, I guess the question for Soifan, do you have to be captain of squad, too, to be the supreme leader or whatever the fuck of the stealth force? I believe so. Okay, so maybe they sense. just run hand yeah. in hand and you kind of get the dual title when you make it up there. So Ugrim starts to explain to Shunsui that he already knew all this stuff about Shunsui's promotion and how all this thing. And he goes on to say that his majesty loves peace, which is just not the fucking case. And he says he issued only one order to annihilate the enemy instantly, which they said this at the table in the very beginning of the episode. Ugrim repeated it again in this one. And I know for a goddamn fact from the manga that ain't no Stern Raiders are annihilating their opponent instantly. They're all fucking around. Yep. Every single one of them. Me and Baz B, the whole episode is The whole episode around. is He's not him. supposed to be fighting Hitsugaya and he's fucking around. I have, I have a thing I, I didn't write in my notes, but I want to point out. When Ugrim, Ugrim tells everybody, hey, if you got a Bankai, make sure you kill the captain with that Bankai, right? Mm-hmm. At, outside of Kang, do later, ain't no one try it, tries to use a Bankai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of them. Yeah, well, hey, listen, that's what I'm saying. Nobody listens to shit. And I feel like the Stern Raiders, they're supposed to be this well-oiled troop where their behaviors is the shit I would expect from the Espadas and the Arancars, okay? They're, they're, they're falling apart on the second evasion. I don't know what happened. They're high on power. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I that think sounds about right. it's the classic where they know they're going to steamroll them because they steamrolled them the first time, so they're cocky. They're like, yeah, it's like, who gives a fuck? Like, we're going to roast these guys. They like they ate shit the first time we came in, and now they're starting to slowly, like, oh, maybe it's not a good idea. I don't know. So we get our appearance of Mayuri and Nemu. Jose. I know. I was so I know excited. Oh, my God. Um, I did like the entrance of Mayuri and Nemu. We speak his little head out. Yep. Like, yeah, great. I, I just want to say. 
that outfit was, you know, they were about to spill out. Dude. Everything was. <laughs> Nemu's fucking uh, milkers, for lack of a better word. They were spilling. They were on dog. display. Like, man. what the fuck? Let like, me say when I have screenshots, I have screenshots. <laughs> All right, boys? They, I got they were about to pop out, man. I was just like, okay. I mean, hey, they went hard in the sauce on that I was one. just like, I can't wait for that fight yeah, later. Yeah, they went crazy. My first thought was, oh, shit, it's Jose's girl. Let's see how good she looks. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. They did not disappoint even in that sun No, they, like, she's not like she even really talked at all. They were just, she was just there, and it was like, damn. Like, you can't miss the those The texture things. in the outfit is crazy, though. Yeah. Have you noticed when yeah. you look at it? I'm like, huh. They did like, a great like job. squares. And this is also, I thought, was a little interesting. So I've got a couple of notes on things that have changed from the manga to anime. Pythes, not to steal your role. But Go for it. I saw on Twitter that, I guess, in the original manga, his foot comes out first and not his face and yes he changed it for this one and i like i like the, the change with the i like the, i like the change it's, it's funnier because i feel like the foot you know yeah it's good but mayuri has an iconic like very um cartoon-esque face very illustrative face mm-hmm. where it's like you got to use the mayuri is the bread and the butter you know he's the he's like one of the few captains that looks distinct you know super distinct I just think i want that to be memed to hell just like something something oh look it's mayuri's face yeah, totally, totally. I, I like Mayuri as a whole as a character is fucking hilarious. He's fantastic. So he's just good. really well and done. And that's he's why the coming best. up here, the Mayuri and the Askin, like and, the conversation, and, oh, so good. So, Two great so, characters talking. Yes, yes. When we get after that, that Mayuri basically he's letting Askin know, like, yeah, I figured out from you guys the first invasion that some it had something to do with shadows from watching how you guys left and how you ended and all that stuff. So due to that, he changed his lap so that literally no shadows exist in his lap. And that's why he's decked out. I thought that was hilarious. New sun coat. They show his lab for a second, which is fucking glowing yellow. You can't see anything in there. And then we switch over to the Baz being the Hitsugaya fight. And I wanted to make a special note here. The thing that they're doing with the first person shots, that goes hard. That goes really fucking hard. Fantastic. I think that so does cool. a really good job at kind of illustrating how crazy everything is like with Ichigo entering in and slashing the guy instantly was so dramatic and now this one the my only note of improvement that I would like to see for this one maybe they'll change it on the blu-ray release fingers crossed because they did change stuff on the first one that on this one I wish they put more people into it because when he's looking around this first person shot is this I think it's just a random soul reaper looking around mm-hmm. and you see soul reapers and the I forget what the name of the the what's the name of the fodder Quincy people Oh, the um, the losers, the losers, the losers. So sure. you see the fodder, <laughs> you see the fodder Quincy's and the slow reapers fighting, and there's only about six pairs. I wish it was like full on, like you know, it was like, like war, like a war, yeah, like yeah. they were invading, you know, and like we had a ton of them there because that one it looked very spaced out. Where it's like, oh, yo, that's not so bad. Now, I will say, the shot of all the soul reapers fighting the Quincy's and like that wasn't in the manga. Yeah. Okay, so it was panned out to it, right? That's why I'm saying I like these additional scenes that they're doing where they're kind of showing, like, this is a war going on. You know, like, much more than I feel like the Aizen versus the Soulbears where they kind of separated themselves from the, uh, you know, the lesser people, I would say. But this one is, like, full on. Everybody's in it. Everybody's fighting. All the fodder Quincy's are here. All the fodder Soul Reapers are here. Everybody's going at it. There's big groups of them roaming around. I think it really illustrates, like, how massive this thing is. It feels like a real invasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it really does. So to add to that, right after that, I wrote Basby nukes just about like fucking 20 Soul Reapers. <laughs> I know. Which I, I, was like, I was like, damn, like, that was shit, gnarly. Dude. When I saw that scene the first time, I had to pause. Like, let me jot that fucking down. Like, he just nuked those guys, which I think we find out later he didn't nuke them. I, I was a little confused on that. But in between that, and I kept, put a special note here. 
Basby tells his subordinates to head to the next target, which this is also an anime only scene. Basby in the manga does not have any sort of conversation like this telling his subordinates to, you know, F off. Um, that's why I wanted to make special note of this. I think that is setting up the subordinates to go after Shinji. And that's going to be the clip from the teaser that we saw where those subordinates are going to be the ones that go attack Shinji and Shinji does Bankai. Yeah. So Interesting. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I think that's why that was specifically included. Cause I always like to think sometimes when I'm watching it, why include these scenes? I always watch like a lot of these shows. I'm like, they, every scene is included for a reason. And I think that one in particular, that line for Baz B to tell him like, Hey, you go to the next target is Shinji. And they're all going to head out to go after Shinji. That's going to set up the Shinji Bankai scene. And then we'll go from there to obviously the Bambietta scene. That's smarter than what I was thinking. Yeah, what I was thinking? thinking, I was thinking, well, in the manga, Basby just kind of shows up on his own. And it doesn't make sense for him not to have boys around. So this is just, hey, why aren't they in the Hitsugaya fight? Oh, he tells them to leave. Mm, okay, yeah, it could yeah, be either sense. or. I mean, I mean, that's the simpler one, but I truly do think that they're setting up the Shinji fight that's I, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems a lot cooler. Because they, it's Sam, not even like, I hey. want you to be right. I want <laughs> you to be right. And if you are right next episode, I want the stream title to just be called Sam Was Right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Because I seriously think that there's no reason they would put that in there. They could just be covering grounds like, why the fuck does Baz B not have any subordinates? But I think. The fact they say go to the next target in particular, I think they're going to go after Shinji. And Shinji's going to get his, you know, first W of the whole series ever. Ever. So um, we go to my question here where I was like, yeah, Basby just nuked 20 dudes. But then the fire stops and there's a wall of ice in between it. So is that wall of ice protecting the same people that was just supposedly lit on fire? Or is that a different group of people that was protected by the ice? group of people. I think it's different. I wasn't paying that much attention. Okay. Yeah, because I was a little confused because he does the fire scene. He talks to his subordinates, then it cuts back, and the fires fade. There's an ice wall there. Not nearly as many Soul Reapers there. So I was like, did they just maybe didn't draw them all? Like, what happened? Did he actually nuke them? And this is a different group now that he's shielded with ice? I don't know. But still, Basby is going around wrecking everybody. That's where we get Stern Raider H, the heat. And I wanted to put a special note here. The soundtrack that was playing this episode was fucking fire. I know. I love it. I don't remember what the original Bleach song was called, but it was the original Bleach, like, kind of a little bit sad melody song. And it had the, like, guitar riffs going on top of it. I was like, that is fucking awesome. Because it's Baz B, dude. It was really, really good. And then later in the episode, they play the classic Stern Stern Ritter theme. Uh, Just the music for this whole thing all the way through is so good. So, so, so good. And I was thinking the other day, so I went to that One Piece musical. In case you guys don't follow us on the social media, I went to the what's called the One Piece Musical Symphony is what it's called. And they brought out the composer from Japan to come perform, I I think, the Chicago one and the Los Angeles one, which is like, I think he's been traveling the world doing these, mostly in Japan. But I think they're doing France next and a whole bunch of different places. What they do is, and they do this with movies all the time. We live in L.A., so we get to see this all the time. I've always wanted to go to one. They have a full-on professional like orchestra that's there and they will play the soundtrack the ost um a couple of the theme songs from the anime and while special scenes are playing on there to go with the music see that's my dream to go watch that with lord yeah. of the rings yes oh, and dude. lord of the rings does it all the time harry potter does it all the time mm-hmm. and it's um not necessarily the scenes from the anime that the songs originally played with but they'll specially cut like little mixes together to go with the songs. it's so good um, 
And so they had the original composer. He would come out and him and he brought a, I don't know what his name was. I assume he's a really famous Japanese pop star. Brought him with them. And they came on stage for uh, three or four songs. He played the piano and sung the composer. Oh my both God. Both of the songs. And the Japanese rock star sang like the, uh, the We Are song from One Piece and like a bunch of other ones, like super popular songs. And it was amazing. But I was watching like, Bleach would be 10 out of 10 for this. Dude, Bleach, Bleach sign me up. I will, soundtrack, I will sell some of myself. Dude, the soundtrack for Bleach is so iconic and so good. The only thing I was thinking of, though, is the soundtrack for Bleach is generally, I feel like a little more on the sadder side, aside from like, you know, um, number one, number one, uh, you know, a Shinji theme. Well, I mean, if they go and do it in sections, and, you know, we yeah. get like that first bit from uh, the first season all the way to the invasion, then all the way to Wekamundo is where the music kicks off even yeah. harder. So they, it was a three hour long show with a 15 minute intermission in it. And they did almost, they actually, they did a hundred percent of the OST for the Whoa. first half of it. And it was like the, the, they did the latest four arcs. So Wano and then dress Rosa and the one with on the elephant, whatever that one's called. Um, and something else. I can't remember what the other one was. But they did the latest four arcs in one piece. And the first one was all OST. So all the background music that mm-hmm. you would hear. It's not any of the the sound like the theme songs, not any of the really popular ones. And then on the second half, they brought out the composer and the rock star and the little Japanese guy. And they fucking rocked it. Oh, the first time amazing. they came back, they came out and they did a, a crazy theme song from One Piece. Then they left. They did a little bit more OSTs. Came back. They did the We Are song from One Piece, which is a super popular one. And then they left. And then they did fucking three encores. Okay, three That's encores. Right. And they, of course, ended the whole thing with uh, Binks Saki. Or whatever oh, my God. I love that yeah. song. That was my so, question. So was, did they do Binks Saki? And the composer was so, like, happy to be there and so just, like, in love that everybody came to see this thing. It was sold out, right? Sold yeah. out. He, the composer, obviously, they say this at every show, but I believe it when he said this time. He said that the LA show is in one of the biggest venues they've been to, and it is the most like engaged crowd that he's had for any of these things. Oh, I love that. Was screaming, I love it. clapping, standing ovation multiple times. It was like the crowd and everything was amazing. My point of this on the Bleach podcast is I would die for a Bleach one. And I, a same. lot of the Bleach soundtrack is done by the one guy whose name I can never Shiro. remember. Shiro Sagasu or something like that. Um, yeah. And he would be so cool to come out and do this stuff. And they just brought some, like, one Japanese singer to come out and sing all the theme songs. Like, they did about three or four of them. It was amazing. It was so, so cool. And they even did some of the sad songs from One Piece and played it for, like, some of the, like, the really dramatic scenes. And I was like, it Did just, they play the scene with Luffy and uh, Sanji? They did. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. They, so Whole Cake Island was yeah. the fourth well, the fourth one they did. Yeah. So they did the scene with Sanji. Um, they did – well, not to get too much into spoilers. I won't say the other ones. But they did They did some sad songs leading all the way up to Wano. So it was super, super cool. Anyways, the soundtrack's fire in this episode. That's all I was getting out. I would love to see it live. 10 out of 10. We go to my boy, the man, the myth, the legend, Omida. And he is <laughs> at the Omida mansion. What with was his little the, sister, the little, former – the oh former, my yeah. Yes, sorry. And uh, his little sister, uh, Mario, I believe is how that's pronounced. I'm going to call him Mario. Okay. <laughs> throw some respect on her fucking name. What the hell? It's Mario, okay? And I wrote here, Omida is such a good fucking guy, okay? His sister okay. is there with him, and she's basically crying, saying that he, you know, she doesn't want to be alone. Don't leave him. And he is you know, doing kind of the classic hero speech. You know, where he's like, listen, 
I got to go. Like, I'm part of the 13 Court Guard Squad. I don't have to protect you. I have to protect, you know, our I'm mom, protecting our everybody, dad, our neighbors, all of Soul Society. And he's like, but remember, your big brother's a member of 13 Court Guard Squad. And I was like, dude, yeah. Omida is a good he's fucking guy. Good guy. Just a good guy all the way through. And then, of course, we have BG9 that appears next to Omida and his sister. I'm going to go past the little um, eye catcher. The eye catchers thing really quick. Fuck it. We'll go to the eye catches thing. That's where that's where we're going to go in order of how the episode goes. So that is the cliffhanger on that. Pisces, before we get into it, we'll wait till the second half of that. OK, because let's just wait till we get to my notes. Cause... OK, 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 OK. okay. Yeah. Pisces and I have some beef over what we just talked. So the mid episode eye catchers. Once again, I got to give credit to I don't know how to pronounce it. I should really ask him. Bamak Talwar. I'm going to assume his name is. He translates all of the mid season eye catchers. So this guy here. I'm um, also interesting to note bleach itself posts the eye catches on their own website yeah. and totally has like it in text what it is google translate does a pretty good job but there's clearly it's not accurate yeah, it, there's yeah some you could, things you could on see there the, where the, the words are not lining up to what it's supposed to be and you could tell like oh something such as like wandenreich is not wandenreich they give you the literal translation of it it's like okay well that that's that's not what i want so the the first one is obviously about wandenreich and this is what it says it says the empire of the quincy ruled by Yuhabaha. its predecessor was the lichtreich which was said to have existed somewhere a thousand years ago the emperor the emperor of lichtreich Yuhabaha, led the stern raiders invaded soul society they were faced by the Gosei 13 led by Yamamoto Genryusai and faced a crisis of survival. The Quincy who had lost their place to go, uh, lost a place to go, escaped into the Serite, which the Shinigami least guarded and created a spiritual space within every shadow, thereby known as the Invisible Empire. So this one, I wanted to note compared to the first episode, uh, like eye catchers, we knew that information already. The first episode one was all Yuhabaha background information that they didn't tell a shit on the first time that we went in there. Zero. Zilch. So I thought that was interesting. Now we're obviously getting into the Soifan fight. So we go to the second eye catcher, which is titled Shunko. Um, and it says the name of the combat technique that combines Hakuda and Kido. The practitioner adorns highly compressed Kido on their back and both shoulders, unleashing it. They infuse their limbs with Kido and engage in combat. As the technique is activated, a powerful explosion occurs. Thus, the clothing on the back and shoulders of skilled users like Shiho and Yoruichi and Soifan, who excel in Shunpo, are designed without fabric. Furthermore, the, the attribute of the technique can be changed based on the Ryatsu, which, as we see later, uh, Soifan's is wind, yeah. which I thought was pretty fucking cool. She, lo- she looks fantastic in this, by the way. Yes. I, I yes. will say she looks fantastic. Yeah, really good. Like, fucking badass. Yeah, Soifan has, which I- I'm going to say well-deserved again, because I think Soifan, like I was shitting on her when we were watching Thousand Year Blood War, she's done nothing but fucking nag the whole Thousand Year Blood War, the whole thing. So now I feel like she's come back. She's earned her spot. She's a badass in this one. But we're not getting there just yet because we have more fucking Hitsugaya and Basby stuff to go through. So we get a combo from Hainako and Hiromaru where they basically are using Hainako with the ash to create multiple walls of ash. And then they freeze it and they return the ash back to a sword. So it removes itself from the ice wall, creating insulated ice walls like a thermos, basically. And so that's how they're able to, even though Hitsugaya can't control it as well, they're able to create stronger ice walls and make it good to go. Hyodomaru is, yeah, this comes from Hitsugaya, by the way, so this is a little bit of exposition. He says Hyodomaru is the one with the least difference between his Shikai and Bankai powers, which, parentheses, asterisk, whatever you want to do, read the fine print, not fucking true, because we know what his actual Bankai is. Hitsugaya is always on some jank-ash bullshit, dude. Why can't he just tell us the truth? It's like, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. How far in advance did Kubo know that he was going to go, like, adult form, like, badass Hitsugaya? Because they ain't no way he's doing this exhibition. Like, yeah, there's not really much difference between my Bankai and my Shikai. Liar. Liar ass. I mean, in terms of of 
what power usage it's just more ice right that's what he I said that's what he describes. but we know that's not fucking true like when he attacks later it's way different way different well he so, becomes an adult and then he can use better ice yeah which is i would say a big improvement more ice there's no difference did you guys ever watch him and reborn jose i think i know the answer for you but uh Pythes? no there's a character in him, Henry Bourne, who's this little whiny ass. Like he looks like a goat, but he's like a little baby, and he looks. I like know a what goat. you're talking about. Yes. yes. So he is a fucking loser ass. You know, <laughs> fucking a most annoying character would probably make you want to stop watching the show. But his thing is, he has a power where he could basically turn into an adult form of himself, much like Hitsugaya, and he becomes a badass, like super good lightning user, like awesome. And that's what I think about every time I see the Hitsugaya thing. Reminds me of uh, what's what's her name, the sheep girl from uh, Black Clover. Yeah. 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 Charmy. 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 Yeah. Which. Asterisk, by the way, real quick. We're just hopping all over the place in the Bleach Podcast. I watched the Black Clover movie for the first time. I thought that shit was boring. I thought it was that all right. it had worse animation than a regular Black Clover episode, and I think that's because Netflix produced it. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Like, I just thought, what a piece of shit. I was bored watching that movie. Uh, anyways, so he says, basically what Jose already said, that just the amount of ice he can create is drastically reduced between the two. So when he's in Shika, he can't create as much ice, which makes sense. I have a special asterisk here that Ugrim's sword is fucking sick. When he's touching, right, the, when he pulls it out, yeah. I was like, oh, what a fucking And he's badass. touching the shield with it. I was like, damn. He does the fucking uh, Darth Maul. Dude, I tweeted that out, Did dude. You? Yes. Oh. I Literally, that was one of my things. I was like, the Ugrim interaction, all that stuff is awesome. And I was like, this fucking shield scene reminds me of the Darth Maul. I tried to find a gif of it. There was no good gifs of it. Uh. But it I'm like, it fucking reminds me of that scene from Star Wars episode one, dude. Goes, bump, bump. And then they're just talking through the shields and stuff, kind of like when Darth Maul's pacing back and forth, you know? Yeah, I was yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. Star Wars, man. This is Star Wars straight up. Then now it's going to be Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. <laughs> I, I was like, this is the setting up. I've seen this. They're going to start rocking out the Duel of Fates, and it's like, oh. So, someone substitute that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they get told that this is called the Hakudan Kapeki. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but it's a barrier that temporarily shuts out Quincy Powers, and then now it's talent is keto she's like a keto master which we've learned before i think they talked about with the zompacto rebellion arc a lot um and she says that's the sole reason why she was picked as lieutenant she quickly pies in like yeah that's, you know that's not true but she's like touting herself here so she developed this keto from the ground up and she says that them leaving traces of their spiritual pressure from the previous invasion was practically begging for them to come up with some counter measures we go to the omida part here omida gets stabbed by G bg9 Heartbreak across the world was felt. The internet broke down in screams and cries that Omida got hurt. And I started oh, sobbing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I started shitting my pants violently. That I thought he was gonna die. They changed it. So Omida's sister runs to his side. BG9 wants to know where Soifan is, but Omida quite, you know, he literally doesn't know. As we talked before, uh, Soifan was such the biggest piece of shit in the world that she didn't tell her own lieutenant where she was going. And so he literally has no fucking idea. There was a lot of changes to this fight in the manga versus the um, anime that I saw. Um, one of them was BG9 says that he scanned for Soifan earlier, like based off of the mm -hmm, stuff from the mm -hmm. previous fight and can't find her. And BG9 goes to stab Omida's sister and Omida blocks it and basically jumps in front of it and stops the knife. He's like a hero. He takes yes. it from the back and I think it protrudes a little now, bit. Now, there's the a really big difference between the manga and the anime. Pythes, do you want me to save this discussion for your notes? We should save the discussion because I have thoughts on this. Okay, we'll circle back to this. Little Let teaser. me just say, I do think the anime scene is decent. I just way like the manga more. Okay, so yeah, there's a big difference that happens in between this fight and the manga. Probably these have very different opinions on this. So we're going to save it. So make sure you guys watch the end. 
BG9 pulls out a fucking Gatling gun, which I just like couldn't help but laugh. I was like, the fuck am I watching? And he starts readying it. Like he's about to he's unload on Omida. Him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's about to turn him into like fucking right minced meat back. dog. Yep. There's about to be nothing left of Omida and his little sister. And luckily he gets destroyed by Soy Fawn. And this is where we get the introduction of Soy Fawn as the ninth head of the Fawn clan, mm-hmm, which I was like, mm-hmm. interesting. And Supreme Commander of the South Force. So Pythes, is the Fawn clan relevant at all? Have we have we heard much of the Fawn clan before? Uh, they don't show up much. It's just mentioned that they were people that served uh, Uroichi's clan. Okay. Okay. So they were just kind of like the They're less, just relevant. Yeah, there. they were like the assistant to the Uroichi clan. Yeah. Okay. And I want to put a quick little note here because, they, you know, obviously uh, the Shunko starts popping out here. And I thought it would have been really cool if Soifan – and I, I take you guys' opinions on this. If Soifan went to Yoruichi and trained with her to learn more Shunko. That would have been super cool. But I, I kind of thought that because like, I feel like we haven't seen any Yoruichi. Zero. Like at all except for the fucking opening. She's not been in there. Yeah, the yeah we haven't seen her since. So I like what is she doing at this point in time, which I, I am pretty sure it gets explained later. But I still would have liked if it was kind of a full circle where, you know, Soifan has to kind of eat her pride because she's so outwardly, you know, kind of like play hates uh, Yoruichi when, you know, she actually loves Yoruichi. If she kind of had to eat her pride, be like, hey, like, I need you to train me, you know, Shunko. But then at that point, the question would be, why is Yoruichi not helping herself? You know, true. Just a little I thought would, that I had. I would say I think it's more poetic that instead of following in Yoruichi's footsteps, she has she's to develop her own way. Yeah, she has to do it on her own instead of just aping what was done before. Because she did develop Shunko on her own. She just didn't know Yoruichi had done it. But then, I mean, I don't know. Could you say that? Because, I mean, I assume Yoruichi has the same advanced Shunko that fucking Soifan already has, correct? Yeah. She has the lightning kind. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I was thinking. So, I mean, I feel like she's already done the part where, oh, I learned this myself. So she should have gone to Yoruichi like, hey, you learned this before me. Like, hook it up. Hook a homie up. But I do also respect, like, she just went out to go train, and she was like, I have this technique. I'm going to fucking hone it to its utmost. I'm going to do it by myself. Although I also, would have appreciated had she done it with Omida. But I'm just assuming Yoruichi's off doing shit that uh, Kisuke asked her to do. Yeah, I feel like Yoruichi, for the most part, if you ask what is she doing, probably something uh, fucking Urahara asked her to. She's off, like, doing errands. She's off collecting people. She's off, you know, collecting items. She's she's always out running around doing something. She's getting the chaos symbols. She's collecting the Triforce. There you go. She's constantly busy. So we learned that her new Shunko is called the Mukyu Shunko, and we don't get any sort of explanation on that right now. We're going to hop back to it later. We get asking content here, which you know I've already mentioned that I fucking love from this episode. He talks to Miri and he kind of looks him up and down, squaring him up. And he's like, yeah, uh, it's going to take too much time trying to kill you. It would require way too many different scenarios. So he's just going to go kill somebody else. I love how he leaves. Yeah. He's just like, I'm out. Yeah. Sorry, dude. And so Askin goes to leave also. And he's like, you're not going to come after me? And Miri's just like, nah, like, go ahead. I was like, I got I to gotta <laughs> take more time to analyze your spiritual pressure anyways. And then he's like, or were you trying to bait me? And Askin is just like, yeah, and just fucks off. I'm like, dude, Askin is so cool. I the love best. asking. He like I love the like the minds game the two of them that were playing. We're asking just like, is he gonna come? Is he gonna come here? And then Mary's like, no, I'm not coming. Like, because anybody else would be like, no, you're not leaving except for Mary. He's like, go yeah. for it, man. He's like, no, I got yeah. shit to do. Yeah. Get out of hey, here. Go for it. He's I, like, yeah, you came here. Go leave. I want you to remember this moment when we get to the fight with Pernida, when Mayuri says, "Hey, Kempachi, don't attack the hand," and Kempachi says, "So I should attack the hand, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Only Mary's uh. out here thinking with his noggin. So we go back to the Basby and the Hitsugai scenes where we officially get Burner Finger 1, uh, and Hitsugai gets fucking shot through the chest. Bro, that was... I, so yep. I love the animation for that. He, Yeah. He stands, it reminded me a little bit of um, Burn the Witch. Yeah. From yeah, the yeah, yeah. Point, totally. The with the wands. Yeah. yeah. Sick. I was really thinking sick. more like Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, Damn, I, well, I mean, Jose is a Yu Hakusho fan. That looks bad on you, dog. That looks that that was not. The I am in the same that realm as a creator right now. Okay, <laughs> I do love Yusuke. All right, yeah. good recovery, Jose. Yeah. <laughs> good recovery. Oh my god. So now we go back to BG Nine, and we he announces that like Soy Font says something like, "Oh, like I'm surprised you can still breathe from my attack that I did on you." And he's like, "Oh, I was never breathing." So he's a robot, you know. Shocker, shocker. And BG Nine unleashes all kinds of rockets, and Soy Font, you know, not really affected by it until he. Jumps at her, goes really close to her, stabs her through the fucking wrist, and then blows her up close range. Yeah, straight up just mercs her, really. Yeah, Yeah, yeets her. And so this is where I have some more cut content from the manga. And in the content from the manga, we basically get a little bit more explanation on her Shunko and how she got it and how it works. And basically, she mentions that ever since her initial fight with Yodoichi in the manga, she has been honing her Shunko even further. And we find out that how basically her Shunko is based on wind and it flows kind of like a vortex through her, kind of going, kind of like an infinity signal, kind of giving herself infinite energy. And she... I think quite literally, she thanks BG9 for stealing her Bankai. But in the terms of thanking her for thanking her for stealing, because if she still had her Bankai, she wouldn't have worried about trying to hone her Shuko even further, like to the level that it achieved now. Which I would potentially argue she doesn't like her Bankai fucking anyway. So why would she be like relying so hard on her Bankai? That doesn't make any sense. It's like a safety net. It's just something yeah. to have. But when is she gonna use it? Like this just goes back to the OG talk that we had where. She has to wrap herself around a fucking building to use it. She's got to set all these parameters up. It's like, she's not going to ever fucking use that shit unless they rolled up to the, like, they found the wander lick or whatever the fuck and just nuked it. Just walk right up and be yeah. like, all right, let's go. It's like, all right, everybody hold on to me. I'm going to launch my nuke. And then they left. I mean, she did try to use it. That's why it's gone. Which, once again, when we were talking before, it didn't make any sense why she tried to use it the fucking first time. So it, it makes, makes no, no sense. Wasn't it, wasn't it to get through his armor? Well, th- that's what they didn't illustrate so much in the first one. Did she find out in the first fight with Soifan and BG9 that he was a robot in that one? I'm going to assume not due to the, the quip of, oh, you're still breathing. And he's like, no, I was never breathing. I'm a fucking robot, idiot. So we get a Ugrim, more Ugrim content. I'm 100% down for more Ugrim content. And he is asking uh, Chunsui and Nanao if the other captains are able to use this spell as well. And Nanao says no. She said, and then Ugrim says that she should have refined the spell even further so that anybody could use it. Mm-hmm. So that way, make least, it easy. Yeah, exactly. And he says that at least the captains could have died fighting at that point instead of it being a one sided execution like it is right now. Damn. Like, Damn. So he says, even with the Quincy's not yeah. having their powers, they still would have executed Cold. them. Cold. What dude. a fucking badass. It would have given them a fighting chance because he mentions even that she went to the. Um, Basically, she perfected it is what she did. She made it, like, perfect. She got, a, you know, all the notches knocked out of it, good to go. And he's like, no, you shouldn't have perfected it. You should have just refined it even further so anybody, like, the basic man could fucking use it, you know? Um, we go back to the Hitsugaya. He's on the run from Bazby, having been shot through the fucking chest. He's, I do like how he, like, freezes yeah, the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. what you were about to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he sets up a trap. It's called, uh, I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this, Rakui. Hyoketsu Jin is what it's called. Looks very familiar to me, like Uryu's trap. Yeah, but I don't think he's does. ever seen Uryu use it, so I don't think it's a nod or anything. I don't think you thought of that because of Uryu. I don't think we've ever seen that move before. It reminded me of Rukia's yes, a little bit, just yes. a tiny bit. And 
I would just like to attribute that to another fucking Hitsugaya ass pull of a move. I don't think we've ever seen that before. That's like <laughs> he's a he, genius. Yeah. He's a kid genius. It's like when he started raining the fucking ice petals down. I might be crazy. I think he used that against Holly Bell at one point. Mm. Did he? Is that what he used? I know she got trapped in a big pillar of ice that came up from the ground. Oh, okay. it might have been that then. That could just be another similar move. Well, I know he has one. He has that one move. It's like the cross almost, right? Well, yeah, because he, he creates ice pillars before. I know I've seen him do that. I just don't know if it's this exact move that he did. Because, I mean, I mean, I hate to bring it back to the best filler arc again. But in the bount arc, him and uh, what did we decide his name was? Kugo? Him and Kugo fought Koga. Of, during Koga. Uh, Kogo. Koga? Koga? Koga. Him and Koga fought in the middle of a whole bunch of ice pillars. And one of the way that Kogo, Koga, with his axe, was able to jump up and reach his guy who was flying with his bankai at the time was he was cutting down the ice pillars and basically jumping off of them to get up to him. So he's done the ice pillar technique a lot. Let's see. I think he also did that again in the fight against Luffy. That sounds about right. Yeah. That we're talking about about or just the ice pillars. Just the ice pillars. That fight is so lame. I remember almost nothing about it, but I think <laughs> that's because Luffy sucked. Yeah, he's yeah. cool and he's cool and can't fit your own world. I will make a side note that the interactions between Matsumoto and Hitsugaya throughout this whole thing made me really happy. Just him relying on his lieutenant and sh- sh- her being her being super like, oh my god, okay. thank you. I agree because so, normally I'm not the biggest Rangiku fan. Okay, I think she's. Yeah, kind of a I like her. Kind, She's of, right. kind of a waste of space. But I do think this interaction with and even Rangiku is like, oh, I kind of like that you got your bankai stolen. You know, yeah, she's like, if it more. wasn't for this, we um, wouldn't have had this I, moment. Yeah, I like that they're relying on each other and creating, having to create these moves and stuff now to further their basically their weakness and make them a little bit stronger. I like the interaction because I know I feel like Rangiku is only shown. Maybe this is not true, but her personality is kind of ditzy, right? And that's her thing. She's drunk all the time. She's, you know, happy-go-lecky, wants to do her thing. She's just but, a cute girl going, yes. get, go, getting around, Even I guess, or something like that. when they were having the fight like with Bazby, I liked that Rangiku went from joking about getting the Bankai stolen to immediately, okay, let's fight. And she went serious mode. And I was like, that's cool. Like, that's, like, a great, like, she's funny. She said, but also when it's time, time, to, time to go, boom. She was ready. So, oh, wow. This, so a captain and a lieutenant learning how to fight together. Kind yep. of wish that happened to Omida. <laughs> Damn, exact I'm, opposites in this episode. I'm still pissy about it. Yeah, it's just, it, it makes no sense, man. It makes no sense why she did that. So after this interaction here with him being on the run, setting up the trap, obviously it doesn't fucking work. And we get Burner Finger 2, and hits a guy gets fucking slashed right across the chest just instantly. And that's when we get the appearance of King Do, finally. Yep. He's like, yo, we agree to let me, like, you know, whoever stole the bankai kill the person. And we jump back to Mayuri here, and he says that he he's kind of sensing the loss of uh, these you know spiritual pressure and spiritual pressures and things like that. And he's thinking to himself, well, I guess I'm the only one who can even fight without their bankai. So, which I suppose is true because he did did he beat did he beat Mayuri or not Mayuri? Um, Zylaparo did he beat Zylaparo without using bankai? Yeah, he did. Yeah, bankai was there, but it was that weird uh, serum he put in him. Okay, mm-hmm. so he didn't like full on go bonkai. So I guess that the track record is there. Yeah. I was thinking that I, most of the time I see him fight, he pulls out the baby, but I don't think he did that in Zelda. Oh, Bar-Fi. God, that baby we're going to see this time around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, let's not forget the one time he did pull out the, his bonkai against a Quincy. It got blown the fuck up. Yeah. Which yeah. I feel like more than anybody, if Mayuri is like, fuck, the Quincy's invading, he's like, I got it. That's why he was in there fucking with his bonkai. He was like, fuck that shit. I already got clowned on by Randy McGee. Like Quincy just walking in first time off the street. Yep. Fucking Ryoka. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> let's see. So 
the end scene of this episode before the ending, we get Urahara chiming into Mary and his personal calm, I guess, is like coming into his little helmet. In his ear or something. Yeah. And I was like, holy and shit. And he says that he's completed the method to reclaim the Bankai. And that's where the episode ends. So there is, before I get flamed by you two, I did catch the ending credit scene. And this Good. is, of course, another big anime-only after credit scene, which this was the continuation of the previous anime only Ichigo scene that we got last episode where um, we get this huge poem that is narrated by Ichibei. I wrote down the whole thing. I will go through it here because I'm, I'm going to talk about this poem. He says, I had it, rain effect in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Well, just like the anime, we'll throw yeah. the rain in there. It begins, but does not end names wither in the silence and an abyss of rolling clouds raindrops fill an empty vessel those who are unworthy to be a vessel succumb to its waste as it its weight as it turns to stone it breaks apart and turns to gravel pounding rain reduces dust for such a vessel there is no way out but if one does not enter there is no path those who are about to perish call it call it iruzu sando i don't know how to pronounce that iraza sando whatever you want to call it so the definition for Iraza Sando, I looked it up. There's a lot of discussion happening online about this. It is literally translates to no entry Sando, Sando. I don't know how you pronounce that. But and then further illustration, a Sando is a path slash road leading to the entrance of a Shinto shrine, which is like the wooden gates that we saw in that little scene there. And um, I think and I will we'll see what you guys think. This just further alludes to what we were talking about, where they are setting Ichigo up to be the vessel of the Soul King. Yes, because yep. I've I interpreted it as like training his body and everything yeah. to uh to be the perfect host. Well, and even though what they're talking about with the raindrops filling an empty vessel, I think that is some sort of like spiritual pressure, Reyatsu, from the Soul King himself with the rain and the weather kind that's like being controlled into him. and kind of coming into Ichigo to see how much he can handle. And that's what the weight is where, you know, we've seen the spiritual press stuff before where it weighs you down. Yeah. And when it starts to weigh down Ichigo, you, they do that thing where they pull the gate way back and you can see he's getting farther and farther away from the gate. So they're testing Ichigo to see if he's a good fit to become one with the Soul King. I agree. I think that's where exactly where that was and going. And we've already had the notes from Kubo talking about how like, hey, you might get the name of the Soul King in the anime. So I think we're going to get a fat lore dump on what it takes to be the Soul King, what the Soul King's name is, how this all came about. Um, don't they potentially, are they reference something called the Original Sin as well? Maybe some more information about that? Correct, the Original Sin. Yep, so that's a uh, Can't Fear Your Own World. Yep. So I think this is all leading up to this big moment where I would not even be surprised if they straight up mention how, like, Ichigo, we're training you to be the Soul King just in case. I would not be surprised if they just fucking say it. It seems like before we were theorizing that that might be the case with the Can of Fear World and we mentioned that. I think this after credit scene on episode two, I think it all but confirms that they are hardcore. Like, this is happening. Like, this is, we are training Ichigo to be a potential Soul King vessel. So, not necessarily doing it for the good of Soul Society, but just in case we need another Soul King, we're having Ichigo do it. I don't want to give away too much. But there's more than one candidate besides Ichigo to be Soul King and besides Yuha, and maybe that comes up in Can't Fear Your Own World. Oh. Interesting. And because what it takes to be a candidate. Was that what you sent me the other day, Pythes? No. No, I just you just sent me the explanation, right? Of what the fuck the Soul King is. Yeah, yeah. So, because even in the poem, I mean, they talk about how people have tried before they reduced that. So clearly there have been other vessels that have been sent up here. You know, I kind of almost think about it when I was talking about the vessels, they disappeared to dust. Does the soul society just think it's some sort of like promise Neverland bullshit where they're like, they send out these candidates like, yeah, we're going to take them up to squad zero. That's going to be great. And they never come back down. Yeah. And they're like, 
oh, they must be hanging out up there. They're, They're having, having a, a great time. time. Reali- realistically, they tried to force him to become a vessel for the Soul King, and they turned to dust. Like, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> All right. You know, let me say my let me say my classic line. We'll get to that later. There you go. There you go. It's a little bit of a tease. Check out Camp for Your Own World. Apparently, he's got lots. I've heard. So I've seen a lot of people talking about Camp for Your Own World now because. Um, Obviously, the one clip we have lots of people debating on it, lots of people arguing on the Soul King with Ichigo, but I think this confirms that, you know, very obviously they're training to be the Soul King vessel. <laughs> I saw a lot of people saying that in the novels, they're not the biggest fans of him. They think it's good lore and they're happy that they happen because they, but they fuck up the power scaling on some characters. Like they're able to do feats that are just kind of crazy in the novels. I mean, that would make sense, yeah. Um, which does make sense, you know. And obviously the novels come after the series has already been done. So you have to kind of rank them up in terms of power. But then, if, especially if it's a flashback or something like SAFWY, you know, why were they not able to do that before? Or, you know, it was whatever, the, whatever the case may be. I think Can't Fear My World is probably, I would say, a must read after the Thousand Year Blood War anime ends i think you have to do it, especially with the stuff that they're setting up that goes directly to camp for your own world especially if you want to see shinji get a dub for once there you go true yep and then we get our little end poem quote which it says i will splatter i will splatter your life onto the wall just like i do with love and that's bambietta saying that i so, was so hyped yeah and, <laughs> i could tell and i i'm just gonna circle back again i think an incredible episode I think it was really good. I did not notice any problems with the animation. I know I saw a lot of people talking about like speed lines on there. You know, like when something's happening fast, they just draw the fucking lines. Um, didn't take me out of it at all. Didn't throw me out of the anime. I feel like that kind of style, I might be wrong. But I think it, we're just used to it. Well, yeah. And I was going to say it, it, it kind of reminded me of OG Bleach, yeah. which maybe is not a good review to give because we're in the year 2023. Um, but I didn't mind it and it's like it's not a big climactic fight that's happening you know if you've already read the manga none of the stuff that happens in this episode is you know all that spectacular so why would you waste your budget on this episode when it's it's a lot of talking it's a lot of exposition a lot of back and forth i dug it i didn't even notice the speed line yeah and it's like it's one of those things where you really have to look for to see it so it's like i mean i don't know enjoy watching it that's all i gotta say just enjoy it why why you gotta go back and look for things ruin it people want to nitpick yeah, yeah, I okay. Pythes, oh, well. let's get to your part here. Let's we're gonna go back to the the director's cut from Pythes. We're talking about anything that we didn't touch on already, and then we're gonna argue. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I tried to look up the direct meaning, but Silburn basically just means silver or made of silver. Okay. All right. So werewolves can't come in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so when Jugrub is leading the 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 meeting, I just wrote. It seems like they are all just kind of accepting his word. Everybody seemed ready to follow whatever he has to say, which is, which is what this kind of further goes to show that maybe choosing Uriu was not the best, the best idea. Yeah. Oh yeah, Grimmy's at that meeting for some reason. Why? Why is that for some reason? Uh, because Grimmy's supposed to be locked up for a little bit. It's like they. Why is he locked up? Because everyone's fucking afraid of his power. Oh yeah, the imagination. (laughs) I forgot about that. Okay, that's interesting. Like they they were sitting next to him like it was nothing, even though like during his fight with Kimpachi, Askin is watching it like man, fuck that guy, that dude's scary. I hate it. I, I hate Grimmy. Well, like isn't this whole table scene an anime only scene? Absolutely, completely anime only. Yeah. So I'm sure it was just something that was added. It was like, yeah, look, they're a uniform, they're all together. You know, they obviously gonna throw the classic nod to the Espada table that everybody yeah. fucking loved. You know, that's I mean, like that's iconic. That scene with them at the table, it's our icon for the podcast. So it's like. It 
it's cool, man. It, but, it, but it's like it doesn't make sense if Grimmy like what is he? I guess they're just not going to mention that he's locked up later. I mean, he, even more stuff about that comes out in Can't Fit Your Own World. But just why is he there? How are people not <laughs> freaking out? People are terrified of him. He it's they, they changed it. They're all besties now, Pythes. Obviously, yeah. they all go out for drinks every Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 man, do the karaoke scene in the Silburn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who has the best singing voice? Hit me now. Uh, we got to go for cool sounding voices, right? I feel like a deep voice is what you're going to be looking for. I'm thinking kind of something like Yakuza, you know, when they do the karaoke stuff in those games. Yeah. I would go, and I know you guys are not going to like this one. Ask not. Is that, is that if- I know I would agree with you, especially because it's super emo. <laughs> I looking, could see or him like rocking out yeah. some sort of like a Lincoln Park song, like yeah, really I, going I, for I, it. I agree with that. No, I no, he, he vibe. He'd go nine inch nails. Come on. Okay, yeah, 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 I can sure. see him doing nine inch. Do you imagine him doing nine inch nails? He does the hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm like, dude, okay, all right, cool. Rocking out with some Marilyn Manson or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I like he's that, a contender yeah. for best karaoke, but also, I mean, you can't go wrong with something like Basby if he just rocks it out on the dude, stage. Dude, Basby yeah. would be fantastic. You know he's going to give you a good show. I feel like Basby would be more on the Lincoln Park kind of like screamo kind of side. Yeah, I think it'd be more kind of ampy rock, you yeah, know, like, yeah. like hyped up, like, good, like maybe like classic rock would be is what i would see from basby i'm seeing like papa roach from basby <laughs> i could see that i can no. definitely see that too but i, no. I feel like that falls more on the email he's line. like metallica okay he's like classic rock no so but think knew, about like, basby belting out he's belting out getting away with murder nah nah i can't agree with this one i, I draw the line there he's classic rock he would not do papa roach <laughs> cope <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to the Shunsui, and I wrote down the thing you talked about where he set all the traps. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's even more genius because the last time they invaded, they invaded through the membrane. They invaded through those pillars of fire. And I just thought, man, it'd be really cool if we got like a Tom and Jerry spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was it was or like, here's an even better question. What if the Soul Society comes back and they're like, they just forgot where they put all those traps? Like now, for, people just walking into for them. months after it'd be like an office scene. Everybody's just like walking by, gets blown up, and they're talking on the camera. Yeah, so fucking Shunsui just like put <laughs> ten traps around the soul site. Couldn't remember where he put them, so we're still go, finding them. I was trying to use the bathroom, and then all of a sudden I got <laughs> yeah. blown up. I didn't yeah. even have to go got anymore. Fucking dropped in the classic Mary random hole in Soul Society. Remember when they invaded the first time and they just hit a dead end? That's just a big ass gap. Yup. Like that what happened to those? Maybe my Yuri would have been a like a bottomless pit. You're yeah. just falling for like weeks. It's like they, they just sealed that up. They put concrete over that after the whole Ganju thing. They're like, forget it. Yep. Man, boss, I'm sorry I was late to work. I was about to make it out of the barracks, and then I fell into a bottomless hole and <laughs> yeah. fell yeah. for thirty minutes. Like went right to where Mayuri was keeping all these fucking experimental hollows, just right fucking down to the bottom. Like, yep. no, thank you. Okay, uh trap cleanup filler arc would be high. <laughs> yeah. Just like they're like, all right, cool, we're back. So everything's taken care of, right? Yeah, yeah, it's good to go. Just a big fucking explosion happens in the background. Ah, shit. We got to go clean that up. Okay, so then I wrote, uh, did all of the Quincy hide in the shadows and wait specifically until the Soul Reapers said some cool shit just so they could walk out dramatically? <laughs> I think so. I, I totally think you gotta so. Gotta make the best entrance, okay? Because they, they were they, they were just waiting. They let them have conversations, like they full on, like even the research and development part with asking. He didn't reveal himself until multiple people were like, "What happened? What happened? What's going on?" He's like, "Hey, like, He's like hello, here. you're in my house now." Mm-hmm. And asking was posted up, just hanging out around that pillar. He was like, <laughs> yeah. "Wait for them to notice me. Say cool thing. All right, hey, it's me." 
Yeah, he's probably just leaning up against it. He's like, ah, oh, they're going to notice me naturally in just a second. He's, he's like, like, they're freaking shit. out. They're not looking behind them. What the fuck? And then I wrote, not a Rangiku fan, but uh, her with the short hair got me feeling a kind of way. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. She looks fantastic with the short hair. I I've always, don't know. I've always I've, been a short hair fan. I mean, same here. I love the I love the short hair girl people. Um, but I I don't know for Rangiku, and I don't know if it's maybe the change to blonde that's throwing me off. I think you orange. don't like the blonde. Um, I'm not a fan of the blonde just, either. Yeah, it just uh, I, I'm not even the biggest Rangiku fan to begin with, and I feel like she looked better in the old anime. And I love the short hair girlies. That's why I mean, I don't know if if she had the cherry blonde like she did in the anime, like the old anime, I think she'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I'm used to seeing, anyways. Uh, just wrote Basby speaking English is great because he's speaking English all the time. I didn't even realize that when he says like burner finger one two, he's speaking English. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> right. I think, I think when he introduces himself as Sternritter H, yeah, he does say introduced... it. And I just wrote, uh, "Don't talk about Basby anymore" because I do a lot because he's the best. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I really like him. Basby too. will have his time to shine when it goes to the whole like. I really remember from the manga the whole Basby and Ugram um, kind of like power dynamic. The the flashback that they have together. I remember really liking from the manga for Basby. He'll have his his his, he big has his moment. moment. Yeah. So the one last thing I'll say about him before I stop is I love that he has names for all of his attacks, like an old school anime. Yeah, yeah, he's he awesome. Does. Yeah, Basby, like I'm saying, Basby is probably one of the best designed. He's got the coolest attacks. He's just like a, a an awesome guy, and that's why you know, admittedly, you could say that the reason why Basby is so loved and so awesome, he's almost fucking Grim Joe. Okay, we made fun of him all the first time the manga came out because he's Grim Joe. He's With just pink like, hair. Yeah, Grim Joe 2.0, like same personality Not as cool. and fucking everything. Um, and I, I, think I that's, swear to God, when before we saw him colored, I thought his hair was going to be blue. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I yeah, I agree with that. What if he raises the flames and it turns to blue? You know, oh. like that's the, he goes like Hades from Hercules. I love he has a move that he just calls Burning Stomp. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. You know, he's actually secretly a massive fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah he's 100%. a weeb. He knows. He's probably spent all this time thinking of what I'm going to name my attacks, and he just goes with I'm just going to burning in front of any move that I burning do. Stomp, easy. burning stare. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to try and pronounce this, but when R- Rangiku gives the, her special attack with Toshiro a name, and it's French, and I had to look it up, and it means puff pastry. <laughs> That's okay. actually really funny. Okay. That's something she would say. And uh, speaking of Sam, you mentioned you like Rangiku chiming in all the time now. Mm-hmm. It's actually Hitsugaya who just explains how the vacuum wall works in the manga. Oh, so they gave her those So they gave her that line. Anime. Because it makes more sense than who's the guy going, so this is exactly how my power works. Okay, yeah, that makes that's sense. True. I, I yeah. like that. And like I said, I, I think, think she straight up says, I'm in a good mood, I'll explain. I yeah. think some of the changes that they're making from the manga to the anime are really smart, and I think it's improving the flow of like characters and stuff like that. Like There were cl- so clearly characters in the manga that didn't have a time to do anything, they didn't have a time to speak, didn't have a time to, because they, they I mean, he introduced a whole opposite soul society, a whole fucking fleet. So you, it's hard to pack all that in. I think the changes that they're doing makes the personality of the characters really stand out. I really like it. That's a and good it way makes to shine. It, makes it flow. You're getting a lot more character interactions than just, oh, hit two guys in this fight. He needs to talk more. Yeah, and I, I would hope from the long break that they took with the you know bleach ending, like the ten years that has been off. I think they 
I would assume they probably really saw that there's a lot of love for almost all of the Bleach characters. So it's like, how can you decide? You know, it was like, why if they're not on screen, why do they not get a line? Why not give yeah, them something? I agree. You know, everybody has their own favorite Bleach character. That's just how it is. Uh, so, uh, similar to how the Stern Ritter appeared, did Soyphone run down at light speed, grab those bullets, and then run back up to the tower so she could have a cool spot to introduce herself? <laughs> I know she did. She she thought about it. She's like, what should be my interest while she's watching from afar, watching Omida get stabbed? Yeah, now would it be fucked up yeah. if you, there's like, you know how they used to the funny little after credit scenes, but now they're all serious, which is cool. I dig it. But like after credit scene, you just see her behind the pillar just trying to think of like, okay, so what is going to be my entrance here? How am I going to make it really cool? And while she's behind the pillar, you just hear Omida fucking scream, uh, got stabbed, and she's like, fuck. It's like, she's like, I fucked up, yeah. waited too long. No, like it's, it's that same scene where she screams, shut up, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, can you keep wrote, it down? Like, fuck. Then I wrote a uh, hashtag uncensored. We got to see the side boob. Oh, oh yeah, that's okay. totally true. I that's that's I forgot huge. about that. It's got like the whole backless part, in the, uh, even the hip part is uh, shown. Because I, like, I think the, what originally it's like the white. It's white and it's very un it's very uninteresting to look at. <laughs> okay, interesting. So okay. I wrote man loves some I, skin. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, uh, we got to talk about that later. About man, Kubo's weird about shit. <laughs> so i can't remember if they mentioned this in the anime but in the manga Basby just brags that uh so he and all the people hit by yama's flames aren't dead because he goes yeah i canceled them out with my fire oh interesting that's it's weird that they didn't put that in the anime because i totally i i remember watching that i commented on it that seems weird that yama didn't just roast them alive but yeah you, you know that we were talking about how yama's mercy you know don't worry about it you didn't burn him just like what he did with the tres bestia it was like no biggie but in the manga they stayed up say baz b's the reason it didn't happen yeah, he's like, i canceled out his flames with my own which is cool mm -hmm. but also sounds like cope yeah like, yeah because because th they all get knocked out and aren't in that fight after Yama hits them with the fire. So it's just like, I didn't lose. I protected them. Yeah, yeah totally. And if that's the case, you know, why would they not pop back up? And uh, Sam, I'm so proud of you. You d you did the research like me, the Irazu Sando. I wrote down mm -hmm. the same. Sh I wrote down the same shit. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. So, good. And then uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, this is the end of volume sixty-one. That's where we're at currently. Oh okay. shit! I think I saw someone else mention that this is five chapters that they did in this episode. Yeah, it's, there was some stuff out of order, like the conversation that Shunsui has is like all packed towards the end. Some okay. scenes out of, but there's nothing really worth writing down. Okay, so we okay. got about what fourteen, fifteen chapters left. Yeah. Huh. Wait. No, what? What? No, Bleach ends volume 74. 74, right? 74. <laughs> this, is, this is volume 61. Finally, oh, like, 61. yeah, you're right, dog. We only got 15 chapters. And it's like, it's like no. He's <laughs> like, wait, let me think about it. Those to be some really long-ass chapters. <laughs> All right, is that the end of everything you wrote? All right. I wrote, I wrote many uh, paragraphs about this. So once again, before we get into this argument, good scene. Don't like the way they change. Sam, please go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> in the Omida fight... Now, there's not a lot of Omida fans out there. I'm a stand the boy, okay? He's trying his goddamn You best. hated him for he the He wasn't trained correctly. You know, he's like, he's from a rich family. He's spoiled. He's a brat. You know, his whatever. His dad was trained correctly. 
yeah, his dad was trying to cut. So partially this is Soifan's fault, partially his family's fault, but you can see illustrated in this manga and anime that he's a good guy. I've already mentioned that with a speech that he had. So the difference between the manga and the anime here, and this is where Pythes and I are going to disagree. In the manga, BG9 is having that talk with Omida when he's on the ground. And Omida's sister is not even in the scene. Omida's alone. There's nobody there. And BG9 is asking where Soifan is. He's like, I don't fucking know. Don't know where Soifan is. He's like, okay, let me try something else. He shoots out like a whip, little rope, knife thing, breaks a fucking building, pulls out Omida's sister, stabs her. Like, through the fucking it's chest, the chest right? Yeah. yeah. She's bleeding. And she's like, oh, Mida, like, help me. Or like, help me, big brother. Um, and lifts her up in the air. So uh, Mareo, or whatever her name is, was not there in the beginning in the manga until she gets fucking yoinked out of the building like that. In the anime, as we previously mentioned, he goes to stab the sister who was there since the beginning. And Omida blocks it. The huge change from the manga. Huge, huge change. I like this change. I do think that it kind of lessers the danger that I think it, it makes the Stern Raiders look dangerous where they're like cutthroat like that to the point where BG9 just pulls out this little girl and stabs her. Um, but I think Omida, of all people, maybe just a little bit less than Shinji, deserved a W. I think he deserved a W. He deserved to have that character development to show that he's not a pussy. You know, he's not this big wimp. And he literally protected his sister with his body. I loved it. I think it was a 10 out of 10 change. Those are really good points. I will say Omida has gotten a dub and Shinji has not. That's why I put him right below, yeah. right below Shinji. <laughs> Omida at least beat an Iran car. Oh, that that I, is true. I mean, yeah. True to an extent. Like a lot of it was him randomly flailing shit is like a pussy, you know. But I did I when we watched watched it originally, I at least I think so. If my memory's not horrible, I remember saying I loved that fight. That Omida fight with the elephant guy or whoever it was was, it was the hilarious. elephant dude. Hilarious. Yeah. A win is a win is a win, and he got a win and Shinji didn't. Sure. I mean, yeah, so you could argue he's more powerful than Shinji. So I mean I think we could put that in the books, honestly. Maybe not more powerful, but definitely has no, a one. more powerful. How many Arankars did Shinji defeat? Uh, zero. No. How many did Omida defeat? One. 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 And he and helped. He helped defeat Anna's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And what about, an ancient skeleton man. Yeah. Yeah. Literally number two. Number two. Death incarnate, you could say. He the old defeat. king. Yeah. Yeah. The, the old king of all the Wekomundo. Shinji turned Aizen upside down, got roasted. Oh, he's gonna get roasted way later too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. what what is your reasoning for not liking this Omida scene? Well, my reasoning is the opposite of yours, which is I think it lessens the tension, and also they cut a bunch of shit out of it. So, in the first part, Omida, his sister had run away because that's a smart thing to do, and was hiding. Omida already had his sheik eye out, and he was and he was swinging, and he gets shit. He gets fucking impaled. And when he, he's impaled against the wall, BG9 asks him where Soyphone is, and he says, I don't know. I'm the kind of idiot that would just accidentally blurt it out if I did. Which is true. So we get to what you talk about. He impales her. He holds her in the air. He then says that uh, while she doesn't look like you, her spiritual pressure is a 50% match, which leads me to believe she's your sister. And I have scanned a 30-meter radius around us. There are three other signatures that match. If you don't tell me where your captain is, I will kill all of them. He's a lot more menacing. He's a lot more menacing. And uh, so when uh, BG9 makes that threat, Amaya just clocks him in the head with a spike ball. 
and and screams and says, "Get your hands off of her." Okay, I'm sold. I like that scene better. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Right. I'm not done. I hate the flip flop like that already, and not hear the end. But I, I like. I don't know because. I feel like this one was him actively protecting his sister. I think some sort of a hybrid of the two scenes would have been my favorite interaction, but continue the rest of it. So we'll hear okay, the full scene. Cause I got like, I got more paragraphs. Okay. 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 Uh, so then BG nine gets kind of, he gets, he's kind of a shit. He says, I have two questions. And then he stabs Omida three times. He says, number one, should I take that as your refusal to answer? And two, if I let her go, that's not a good idea. She'll probably bleed out. Do you want that to happen? So Amida tries to swing at him again, but he's caught and he's stabbed again. And then BG9 says, the shock of that stab may have taken your ability to speak. I'll give you like 15 seconds to rest. Then Amida says, I'm going to make you pay. I'll never forgive you. And then BG9 pulls out the Glock. And that's that. <laughs> now, how cool would that have been if Amida went bonkai? I'd fr- I, I would shit my pants. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Where was this this whole time? That would have been so cool. So, because what sold me on the change of that scene. So, originally, I know of the stabbing difference between, you know, him finding the sister and all that stuff. I also knew the part where he scanned the signatures for the other life forms. I think the scanning for the other spiritual pressure should have been put into the anime. Again, they're trying to kind of streamline everything, keep it as quick as possible. So, they get as much done in terms of additional scenes as possible. Um, I think that's a really, really cool interaction where he's like, yo, I know there's fucking three other of your family members around here that I can fuck up. That being said, I like in the anime one, like I was saying, he does actively protect her. And I think potentially, maybe probably you can answer this question. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Soifan still shows up in the manga like she does in the anime. Yes. What happens What happens to the sister at that point? Uh, I think she just goes to get healed. I forget because we're not – I'm reading – I don't want to spoil myself anymore, yeah. so I'm reading week to week. Well, I would like to think that the logistics of the sister getting, like, with that whole interaction was like, oh, if I remove the sister, you know, she's probably going to fucking die. Then they have to deal with the whole logistics of what happens to the sister, where does she go, so on and so forth. So they're just like, forget it. Forget I, it. He, protect, he protects her. I might be crazy, but I feel like I remember there being a scene where he is, like, holding her in his, in his arms, running and away. running away. Something. Yeah. Yeah, I so, feel like that th- that did happen. I may, I, I, I'm thinking that they probably just didn't want to deal with the logistics of that, but I, I like the manga scene when you were describing it because I feel, and it's what I was talking about with the elephant fight, and I was saying that you know he technically defeated one, air quotes. He kind of blind luck, foolishly defeated the elephant guy, and I like in this scene in the manga, Omida is purposely attacking him. You know, he's actually going on the offensive and doing something instead of just kind of running and things are falling on people and you know it's hilarious it's cartoony this one he's like serious he's the cartoon joke character and he's serious and he's trying to attack this guy it doesn't do much the first part of the interrogation is silly omida he's just waving his hands going i don't know i don't know i'm the kind of idiot that would blurt it out but but as soon as his sister is is hurt it's all serious from there yes yeah, the, the tone switches i, I yeah. love that part yeah. that's what uh, that's what sold me on that one is like the tone switches and Omida goes on the offensive and he attacks. I think that is super fucking cool. And I wish that they would have, cause once again, I mean, Omida, he, he doesn't really go on the offensive too often. He's kind of, even, he doesn't get love, you know, even when he was fighting the Iranker, I think he was more uses bait a lot of that time and just to stall for time. So I think that's really, really cool. Hopefully he maybe gets some sort of a hit in 
on this fight, but I doubt it. I don't know. I, I'm torn. I think a mixture of both of those scenes merged together would have been the perfect scenario. The, the way I described it, because I was running through this in my head, like how do I describe this to them, mm-hmm. is the anime, it feels like it lacks teeth. It feels like, oh, he, he protected her, that's it, everything's safe, and then soy phone shows up. It's like it's a really heartbreaking panel of this child impaled in the sky, holding her stomach and his and her brother screaming for her to be let down. Don't they have really strict? Um, I want to say laws, but I don't know if it's necessarily laws, but like television guidelines in Japan about injuring children on TV. Is that's that what I, a lot of people were saying. Uh, I believe Twitter. so. Yeah, I believe so. And I was thinking that might be the reason. Yeah, because I know like that you can show as much fucking boobs and tits, do whatever you want, you know, slice somebody in half. Like we've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. But I think when it comes to children being injured or damaged like that, I think they're super strict on that stuff. Maybe we'll get it changed in the Blu-ray release. I can't see them altering a scene that much. Uh, I can't see that either. Yeah. That's a that's a whole scene change. There's a whole difference. And I, I think you would run into a problem potentially if people really liked Omida Saving the Sister. I think they would be, I don't know. A little I don't bit know. of backlash. Yeah. I, I mean, for one, the guy gets a dub. Like a legit, you know, he did something really good for his sister and it kind of built him up a little bit more. But I think the bigger dub, and I flip-flop on another place, I think the bigger dub is Pythes manga situation where he actually attacks. I do agree because he's showing spine, but I'm just saying in a, in a, this way, it's just like, okay, you know, he does have some good yeah. in him as to protect something or uh, be like a good brother at least. Cause I do, I mean the whole argument in the, the way to describe it of the anime lacking the teeth, you know, cause I feel like in the second evasion going forward, there really isn't a lot of losses that do happen. Um, from what I can remember, I don't think anybody, uh, there's a huge loss coming up. Okay. Well, no, nah, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I, from what I can remember from memory, Yamamoto and Sasuke dying are the biggest things that happen in Year Thousand Year Blood War. Like, no, period. Uh, not for me, man. I'm gonna be mourning <laughs> later. There's, I forgot about that death. Well, there's there's a there's one death that doesn't even get mourned in the Who's? manga. Uh, uh, Captain Tuberculosis. I uh, mean, is he really dead? Yeah. Yes. Yes. When he dies, I was looking back through this because I reread it like last September. Like he dies, there's not even a scene of people reacting. Okay. Well, tell you what, Pythes, you get that payoff. Hell arc, baby. Hell arc. Uh, Yep. I'm so ju- that's just, when, that's when he comes back around. They 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 they're like, yeah, you know what? Ukitaka got fucking shafted. Nobody gave a shit when he died. Hellark, he's back, baby. He's back. So that that's really just my argument. I I still think the anime scene is good, and I prefer them to cut this rather than lose any conversations with Askin or Hashwath. Yeah, but manga manga scene better. I think so too. I I agree with you on this too. But yeah, I I mean I. I probably agree with everything that you said uh there's certain stuff where it's like in the grand scheme of things i'm sure omida is still gonna escape with his sister it's still gonna end the exact same way she may not be injured but that's just not another thing they don't have to fucking worry about i think this gives them more time to add other important anime only content that they want to add you know like omida still had his moment where he saved the sister it was quicker it was easier they cut out all the dialogue with bg9 because he's just gonna get fucking roasted and move on um I think that made a lot of sense in terms of like if you're looking at the storyboard for Thousand Year Blood War, where are we gonna cut? Oh, this fucking long asshole might have seen. Just rip it and just you know have him protect the sister. It'll still be a win in his book. We'll get him on the way, and then we can add more you know Ichigo soul vessel soul king stuff. We can add more. It's a, it's a a quicker buildup almost. Yeah, we could add more Grim Jow scenes later. Hey, more, that's 
more Dude. eyes and scenes later. You know, it's like I think any Bleach fan in the world would trade any Omida scene for more of that stuff. And it's not even not even like there's a cool bad guy he's facing. Do either of you give a fuck about BG Nine? No. Yeah, nobody, no, I legit forgot his name. And I think nobody cares about BG Nine. I mean, to the, to this day, I don't think anybody gives a shit about BG Nine. I don't even think BG Nine has a fucking Bur- uh, Bleach Brave Souls character. So he doesn't. Uh, no, I'm nobody pretty gives, sure he doesn't. Nobody gives a shit about BG Nine. You you want me to know how little uh, anyone gives a fuck about him? Yeah. What's his What is his shrift? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. Uh, there, I think there's a couple letters we don't know who owns it. One of which is like K. And okay. I don't know what the he's just a fucking who gives a shit. <laughs> how did, how's he a Quincy? Yeah, yeah, he's a he, robot. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like that he would was, be one of those things where that would make sense. We were talking about the Grimmy spoiler last time. If that was something that was created by Grimmy, mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. like all right, cool, I get it. You know, he made no, a cool he's, robot. He's a real ass Stern Ritter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't know. I. I I could beat him with a glass of water. Yeah, yeah, you really could. <laughs> That's one of the situations where it's like tap in Hitsugaya, dog, or call in Halibull, which she's still chained up somewhere. She's in that castle, right? Yeah, you don't you don't see her till can't fit your own world. <laughs> oh, that's right. When they have the Dude. audience with the Soul King, right? The last Not- shot of her ever in the manga was her being chained up. A moment of silence for Halibull, R.I.P. <laughs> I'm sure they'll uh, will have a nice wrap up at, at the end. Dude, imagine the fact that maybe Halibull is somewhere in Soul Society right now with like them we're having doing the swap. She's probably there or somewhere. It's like nobody. So she's like help. Yeah, it's just like oh man, there's a lot of racket coming on from outside. That sounds wild. Well, after everything is over, it's established that like Nell and Grimjow go get her because they have to have that conversation about the Soul King. Yeah. But she's just there for all of it, just chained up. <laughs> Damn, they did her dirty as fuck. Mm-hmm. She she has she's got that cool conversation with Shunsui. Oh yeah, yeah, true. yeah. True, 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 true. I think some of the conversations Camphir and Rolled are some of the best, and I hope they potentially add them as some sort of a. Uh, you I know, just want Camphir and World in this. Yeah, some sort of some sort of a wrap up, you know, some sort of a, a little touch base to make sure we're good to go, you know. I'd be down with just like a montage of everybody just after the war chilling. Me too. Me too. I hope that it doesn't just end with how we know it ends, where it kind of cuts like that. I hope we get a nice little wrap up of what everybody's doing, a little montage to kind of set up things going forward. Here's here's my dream is that it it ends the way we think it does, and then you get like a photo montage of what everybody looks like and what they're doing, but set to the original opening theme. That'd be sick. Oh, that would be, be fantastic. Sick. Yes. It won't happen, but I want it. <laughs> a man can dream, damn it. A man can, can dream. That'd be so good. I got nothing else to say. Okay. Right. Well, that well, was Core 2, Episode 2. We got to wait another week for fucking Episode 3 to come out. It uh, should be hopefully really, really good. I think historically, if we think back to Core 1, Episodes 6, 7, or 5 and 6, like I don't remember which one it was, those should be the ones we should be getting kind of the, the, the crazy-ass oh, fight. Is that- the, that's when we had the Yama versus yeah, Yama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when we should be really getting our um, our meats, our, yeah. our meats. You know, that's when the animation should go ape shit. We're in the appetizers, though. Yeah, yeah. This is setting up. This is still setting up the second invasion. So that's why the animation stuff doesn't matter. Enjoy what you got. Appreciate the lore. Appreciate the characters. We had some cool interactions. Omida had his thing. We talked about it a lot. It was awesome. So wait make for sure Bambi course, to show up. We wait for. I wish Bambi had the end scene, the yeah, end fucking did. poetry thing. So hopefully next episode we get the Bambi and Shinji. 
So right. it could be really I saw people predicting that the next episode will end with Ichigo starting to do his return to Soul Society. I would be surprised. I feel like it's but a little early. We'll we, we see because from the trailers, which I think a lot of people have forgotten also really quick before we end, is there is that scene that we already saw in the trailers of Ichigo accepting kind of like the rainbow lights into him. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to get a lot more content on Ichigo finishing that training and that kind of stuff before we see him start to come back. Good. Unless unless that's going to be in the reverse and Ichigo is going to come down first and they're going to flash back to his, his training. Everything else, yeah. So we'll see. Let us know what you guys thought of episode two in the comments, of course. Make sure you guys are please liking and subscribing. We do appreciate you guys. It's actually been one of our best months for the channel in terms of views and subscribers and all that stuff. So we really do appreciate the support. Of course, if you guys want more Bleach content or anything, I just announced today. Jose, I don't know if you're in the know. I'm doing seven days of Bleach Brave Souls streams leading up to the anniversary. So it's going to be fucking ape shit. If you want to see the schedule, Instagram, Twitter, threads, uh, I put it as a community post. Everywhere has it. So if you guys want to pop in, say, hey, talk bleach, please do. Pythes is there all the time. Jose, every once in a while, he's there as well. We're all hanging in the chat. And, of course, join our Discord. We will see you guys next week for another episode. You guys have a good rest of the week while we have that post-bleach depression. And we'll see you guys yep. later. <laughs> Bye, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.